Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Thank you so much. So Melissa Santiago is here again with us today. And Melissa, if you would just do us a favor, because I know you've been here before, just a brief who you're with, um, where you're at, and uh, just a little bit about you. Yes, I'm Melissa. I am currently uh, on staff at Heartbeats. Um, We are in Ohio. So we have two centers. We have one in Newark, Ohio, and we have another one in Zanesville, Ohio. So we've been here 50 plus years. So we've been here a long time. Um, I started as a a volunteer, uh, came to help uh, serve single moms since I was a single mom and went through the surrender in the secret. Um, little did I know I needed a lot of healing. So I went through that and it really changed my life. So right after I went through that, I just wanted to help. So I started trying to lead at my church. And um, then later, about five, seven years later, I uh, came on staff. So here I am now leading uh, post-abortive groups and also help, helping with our church relations. So I'm kind of the in-between between you know, with our churches as well. So. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for um, uh, coming back on and all the the years that you've put into this. Um, I do appreciate that. I know the women appreciate it too. So we left off with some things that we were interested to talk about last time. And one of them was your keys to hope and healing uh, program. And we talked about, we, we were talking about the struggle, I recall, that you you had um, when you um, picked up Keys to Hope and Healing because it didn't have any faith in it. Now, um, Support After Abortion does have a Keys to Hope and Healing that has a faith um, component in it. Have you read that one? Yes. Okay. There is a Catholic bent to it. So I guess depending on if you're Catholic or not, that might be an issue, but, um, you use the one that does not have scripture in it. Correct. Correct. Because we also have, we're using living in color, which is, does have the faith element. So we just wanted to give a non-faith based, um, option as well. Right. And, but didn't you say that your supplements add scripture in, or they add your faith in somehow. And so I wanted to talk about that, like how long, how many weeks you go, just kind of give us a good overview of your whole program just to get and you know, when they meet what you're doing, if you're doing something in between the supplemental materials to give people an idea, you know, what could be done with keys to open healing. And now this is all virtual, right? And we, we're talking all virtual. Um, groups. Correct. Yes. Um, For whatever reason, in 2020, we just um, started receiving requests uh, statewide and nationwide, actually. So we quickly realized we needed to kind of adjust and do something different. And uh, Keys had, you know, we had come across the Keys to Hope and Healing. And is what we have found is as women are coming Um, there are many who would identify as 
a Christian or have some belief, right? They believe in God. Um, they maybe had a parent, a grandparent, you know, they're, they're open to the gospel, but they, they believe in God, but that's kind of where it stops for them. So they're open, but they're not necessarily don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything. So for them to come into a faith-based, um, is intimidating to them. Um, and even some women who, who are going to church, um, we found are having difficulty going into a faith-based and that could be for a lot of reasons, you know, maybe there has been some, they've felt some judgment or maybe they just honestly don't feel comfortable. Maybe they haven't ever read the Bible and don't want to admit to that. They haven't read the Bible. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so many things, right. Um, that could keep, keep them kind of closed off to that. So that's where that, you know, non-faith base comes really and, and really where they feel comfortable starting. For us, um, it always is a faith conversation, like always. I, we have never ended, we've never gone through a group where, where God has not been discussed, um, where we haven't had very good, deep, conversations and been able to share more. So for the keys, we do go in obviously as a non-faith based and because that is, we want them to feel safe and we don't want to overstep in any area if they're not comfortable. Uh, but it was what we have found is there is somebody in the group that wants to incorporate their faith and they will somehow bring that up in typically the first or second week. Um, hmm. and so when they want to discuss that, then it opens us up to be able to, to talk about it. Um, I also share from my perspective, you know, cause I don't hide that I'm a Christian, you know, I go in and, and let them know, you know, we are all from, and it part of the agreement, you know, the confidentiality and the agreement when we come in is we remind everybody, you know, we're all from different backgrounds. We all have different beliefs, you know, all of those things that we go over. So everybody's okay with that as well. Um, so I think for when, whenever I am able to speak, I share from a Christian perspective. Um, you know, I share as a Christian, you know, my perspective on things. And again, that just opens up a lot of conversation. So we also is what, if in fact someone has shared that they would like, or that they have, a, you know, their whatever struggling connecting to God, reconnecting to God, or they're scared that, you know, this is going to be their, you know, they're never going to enter heaven because of the, I mean, that's some real fears that women mm -hmm. are very upfront with, you know? Um, so we, we do offer when we send a recap email each week, we offer some additional information that they can read through and it's completely up to them if they would like to read those additional things. And, um, some of those things are uh, scriptural. Some of them aren't, you know, some of them are just some nice graphics that explain different things. So um, we use that kind of recap and those additional resources as a way as well to give them some additional information. So how many weeks is your, do you extend it or to talk about anything extra? Or do you keep it to the weeks, the chapters that are in the book? We do. So the six weeks we keep as six weeks, but it's what we're finding is that many, I mean, this year has been probably the highest um, percentage of women have. So many women are finishing the six week and they want to stay. Hmm. And then they're going through our eight week program. So I would say probably this year, at least 50% have done that. If not higher, I don't have my stats for, for this year fully yet. Um, so then we're getting them for the six weeks, but they're also staying because they do want to dive into the faith element of it. So they'll stay and go through the eight week program. So the eight week program is the living in color and the six week is the steps. Yes. Okay. Yes. So tell me some of the supplements. Did you create them, find them, um, just brainstorm as a team of some things you could come up with in the middle and or in between you said it's a recap email I guess mine might be okay this is your homework for this week kind of a thing um so and but these are optional 
things. So there's really nothing mandatory, but what, so what kind of things are you sending? Like after each week, what's that look like? <clears throat> I don't have the full list of each, but honestly, so I have groups in my, my, I have another leader that has groups and I mean, we're pulling stuff from even other curriculums or from living in color. We are pulling some of the things from living in color. Um, we're, we've also made some graphics, like I said, uh, for example, we have one that is just, it's a graphic of the, of lies and truth and how to identify those things. So it's a, it's just a graphic, something they can look at, they could print out. We actually mail it out in the box so they can hang it on their fridge um, to how I, to, how to identify those. Another thing we have is, you know, when we're talking about the whole person, um, we also include the spiritual side, you know, in, in that as well. So again, just kind of bringing those things around because again, like across the board, everybody would agree that there is a spiritual element to us, regardless of if they know what that is or not. You know, there is full consensus that everyone believes there is a spiritual side to us as well. Um, so that's, that is also something that it's just another way to kind of um, start, you know, getting them to think about that. And what is this, how does this play in my life? Um, there's a really good, you know, surrendering the secret has a wonderful, um, section on, you know, I, I don't know if any of you remember, but it's on like the wounds, the lies, the agreements, the vows, you know, the, the false self, that's a really good one. Um, so it is things that we've used in other, um, groups and curriculums that we do share. Um, and it's just a small part and, you know, um, but also things that we've learned along the way. So we we just have a lot of resources we include. And I would be happy to share those with anyone who's interested. Thank you. That's really, that's wonderful. And I'll put your email in the show notes again, as we did before. And I'm thinking about, um, and I think you answered this question that I'm getting ready to ask you, but um, okay, so you call it a non-faith-based option, but yet you always have faith included. And so when they come into the group and they're doing the commitment to group, my first thought is, is how do they know that there might be, I mean, they're not blindsided, obviously you don't want to just, yeah, it's non-faith-based. And then when they get in there, start talking about faith. So is it in the commitment to the group where you talk about that, that is that the first time they're introduced to the fact that, okay, faith might be included or how, how does that conversation look? Yes, because in the agree in the original agreement or I'm trying to remember what that's, you know, the, the original agreement that we all make coming into the group, just recognizing that we are all from different backgrounds. Like we all have different beliefs. We all have. So being aware of that. And again, we go over that um, as we're talking for that introduction, you know, for the, when we're doing kind of our housekeeping things in the beginning, just recognizing that, you know, they're, we're all coming from different backgrounds. We want everybody to be able to open to discuss the areas that they need to. And honestly, we've never had an issue of anybody being uncomfortable or it's, it just naturally somebody starts talking in that direction. So we do just like if somebody started talking in another direction, you know, we're, we would, we would talk about it and and I have done that, you know, if somebody spiritually is talking about something that even maybe that I feel maybe would be detrimental to them, you know, I would try to kind of talk about it and we would have an open discussion. So it's a very, um, it's a very easy process. I think as long as we go in remembering that, you know, our job is not to go in to do this, this, and this, right? As believers, mm. it is not our responsibility to go into these groups, you know, get everybody saved, get everybody delivered, get everybody to understand all parts of the Bible and, you know, where they're not, you know, where they're not lining up to that. That's just not our responsibility. You know, we're meeting, a, you know, she is literally, literally likely even still bleeding. That's how soon mm. these women are coming. And we have to understand that we have to address the wound at hand and whatever that is, you know, if she's struggling with her connection with God and she expresses that, 
we're, we're going to talk about it. You know, if she's struggling with her connection with her family, you know, we're going to talk about that. Like we're not, we don't go in this each week with an agenda that I need to teach them about the gospel. That That's just not how, how it goes in. We are the gospel, right? We're the living spirit of God, like in the room. And I think as long as she doesn't, as long as she senses that we're truly there for her, for the, what, for whatever she just needs to share and really just taking that gentle approach and really being spirit led literally each and every time and caring for her well. And again, not having an agenda in the group. I think that just changes everything. I think it changes everything. Obviously we have a curriculum and the point is to get, you know, certain topics and things worked through, but many times we don't Mm -hmm. and we start the next week and, you know, and it's okay. Um, But the spirit leads and guides us and it's just really a beautiful, it's just such a beautiful opportunity to be with people and to really share the gospel in a very active sense of listening and caring and loving and being truthful, but in a very gentle way because she is hurting and she just needs to know that she's loved and cared for more than anything. All of the other topics will, will get there. You know, we do get to those things, but I think that's the number one. God has told me over and over again, when I feel very unqualified, (laughs) for this right like and especially as as this has changed so much um where she's literally in trauma um he just reminds me just be with her I'm asking you to be with her I'm asking you to bring my spirit in that place in that room and to put down my you know my expectations and really just listen and let him lead and guide me and that is truly what we do And the trust is built because the other thing is there has to be a time of trust being built. You know, she, she has to understand that again, there's nothing in this for me. You know, we are solely here for her and there's nothing that we're gaining out of this. We're just really here because we want to be there. And once she knows that, I mean, her heart is just open and so receptive. And I think that once that trust is built, which typically takes, I I mean, in my, in my experience by week two, even by week three, it's like, they're all even already bonding. Um, And so it's, it's really just, I mean, they're coming by the hundreds. And to think that she wouldn't feel like she could come to a group because it's something that she's not familiar with or doesn't feel comfortable with would be a tragedy in my opinion because if she doesn't come to us as believers and she hears from someone else she's going to hear lies and she's going to be dismissed and she's going to live in a, a life of denial and avoidance which causes so much destruction and justification and all of those things that come with that, right? And if she's crying for help, I just, I just want to be there. I so appreciate your spirit. That is just <laughs> beautiful. And I know that's why God is blessing um, what you're doing there. And mm-hmm. now most of these are going to your website, finding you through your website. So they're filling out something on the website. Are you doing personal calls to them then after to start that trust building process? Yes. So on our website, we have, they can text, email, or call. So typically they're coming in through a text or email request. Uh, We're sending them kind of some, just a brief summary. You know, we have a six week group. We have an eight week group. You know, there's no cost to you. It's completely confidential. Uh, We have, we even tell them, because I think it helps a little bit with um, a little, knowing a little bit what the structure feels like, you know, we tell them there's a a short book that kind of leads and guides us each week on some journaling and questions and um, 
you know, again, there's no cost for the book or anything for you. You know, if you'd like more information, we'd love to talk more. And then we, we set up a phone call. So once we talk to her, so we've made that voice contact with her, then we will email her the link to register. That's good. And I too, I was, I was thinking the exact same thing that Linda said that it's just, I can hear your heart. I can hear, um, just, you know, your passion coming through as you're speaking about this and, and you surely have removed some barriers for these women, um, by offering, um, the keys to hope and healing. And, um, I do want to say for everybody listening, because some people just don't feel comfortable doing keys to hope and healing and that's okay. I think that it has to be okay. We have to be where God is having us to be. And this is where God has moved you. And, um, and this is what he's doing with you up there in, um, heartbeats and it's beautiful. And I know that he has other people doing different things and, um, we do need to be very comfortable in our call and what we feel like God wants us to do and not feel heavy that we're not doing that, but we're having this conversation with you because, um, I just appreciate how you've developed that program. And how, um, while it is non-faith-based, you do um, make allowances for it. And um, and it is told up front, yeah, we might have these conversations in here because we all come from a different place. So I like that. Um, and we talked a little bit last time about removing barriers for women to reach out. And so I was wondering if we could go into that a little bit more. What are some other barriers that you have found um, to be true for you that you guys have removed to help them come forward? Yeah, I, I think, I think again, probably a big one is making it simple. You know, they are in active trauma from what we're seeing. We're talking days, weeks, months. Um, so it's very fresh. Um, so we're trying to make it simple. Um, so we have, again, they can text us, email us, call us, whatever she's comfortable with for that initial, uh, request. Uh, once she comes, we do set up the quick phone call, but again, we're just telling her, look, this phone call is really for you to see which group is best for you and make sure we get you in the right group. Um, and then also the intake form, um, is about 10 questions. And uh, keeping that again, very simple, because again, not a lot of trust has been built. So to give her a three page, you know, intake form, which is what we used to use, mm -hmm. um, it was lengthy. Um, she's just, she's not able to do that because again, she's very much in active trauma, you know, it is currently. So we're keeping that very simple. Um, May I? And we've just found. I'm sorry, may I jump in just for a second, just thinking about um, listening to what you're saying about these women being in active trauma. So would you, what percentage, I guess, is, would you say is the women who are coming in that have just had their abortions versus um, the women from decades ago? I would say two years and under two, two years and under has been kind of the common Right. For us, I would say 80%. Okay. And that makes sense then as to why you made that shift in your curriculum, why you made the shift in your intake. When we get women coming from decades ago, there's a totally different mindset. They're older. They're of a different generation. The generation today, from what I, Linda and I were just talking about this, um, from what I'm learning, don't like forms. <laughs> they don't want to ask a lot of questions. And even even if they weren't in active trauma, I don't think they would like the forms. I don't think they would appreciate that. It's just a different, you know, mentality today, not good or bad. It's just the way it is. So, um, and we're okay. using Eventbrite even, which is something they're probably familiar with. So Eventbrite is a very, you know, I'm sure they've used it to get a ticket or whatever. Um, so it's something they're kind of familiar with also. I think also, in removing the barriers, making sure that we're getting back with them promptly, making sure that we have somewhere to get them into a group quickly, you know, making sure that our process is, is solid, that we've got some groups on the calendar 
to tell her, you know, look, we're currently in, two, you know, we currently have two groups and we don't, you know, we don't have availability today, but we have a group starting next month. Because I think also with just abortion in general and, and this, you know, the past few generations, I think if there's too much of a delay, you know, there is such a war going on with them because the world is telling them that this is okay. Mm -hmm. The world is telling them that they, they shouldn't be hurting, that this is a good option, you know, just deal with it. And I, if, if there's too long of a time for her to get into a group, I just think that there's a lost opportunity there because she just will go. I, I really, we're seeing they're going into that denial and then it's taking them a couple of years to come back around. Now we're seeing women come back around a couple of years later at this point, women that reached out to us two years ago, they're coming back around, but how sad even that that delay happened now for some, maybe they needed that time. Um, but they're still feeling the same, you know, feelings that they had, um, and just weren't able to kind of block it out any longer. So they're coming back, but I do think it's a different, when we grew up, I think that we, you know, there was enough, there was just enough moral code still that, you know, that we knew that, that, that this was a wrong choice and you couldn't even, so if we shared it with somebody, it wasn't like, well, so-and-so, you know, it's okay. Or their friend that had an abortion and she's fine. And, and it kind of dismisses her need in a sense. Um, so I think also that would be a barrier is what we've seen. Um, and again, just the, our approach is constantly changing. I mean, we just, we have to really, we've had to adjust a lot and we're continuing to. Um, and we've done things internally, you know, like we now have a, a form that we use internally that, you know, we, when a new group starts, you know, we have some notes, you know, how many participants, um, we even notate if it's been a medical or surgical abortion, you know, just to kind of follow the beginning and the end, you know, if they all started and if they all completed, you know, if there was anything in between, just so we can continually try to like, where are we losing her if she does drop off? Um, and also trying to kind of track a little bit of the differences between the medical and the surgical. Um, so, you know, we're just constantly kind of adjusting, um, how we're doing things because it's a whole nother world than when, when I started, it's, it's completely, when I started, I tried to start it in my church and I even found in my church that it was difficult. Women weren't coming forward because of the shame within the church. So once I came to heartbeats and started leading the groups here, I was having a little more success and we were having women um, coming from their churches to an outside source. And we found that helpful, you know, so it's just kind of always, you know, always kind of being open to looking at things and how can we continue to adjust to meet her because the narrative is much different. It's much different now. It how is. big are your groups usually? Four seems to be the common right now. So four plus a leader. Okay. Just one leader. Yes. Okay. We're doing intentional smaller groups with one leader so that we can have more group options because we do like a Monday and a Thursday. So that just how, and then we, we have a keys going and then we have a living in color as well. Okay. So we have both options going. Okay. And do you, do you feel like that the not having a second leader is, is working well? I mean, they don't need that support and the leader or the facility, the main facilitator, you found that that's not necessary. We've found if we keep them to four or less, um, and living, living in color calls them like a mini group. Um, we found that it's, it's actually very good. Now I have had co-leads come in um, and I have done groups of four with a co-lead and um, I would like to continue to have co-leads, you know, as we kind of grow and then later, hopefully they can lead as well. Um, 
but the commitment level is high. And honestly, and I think we were going to talk about that as well with leaders, you know, the commitment level is pretty high. It's not for the faint of heart. And, yeah. you know, we're still trying to grow our team as well. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, what, there was one other question I was going to ask you. I thought on this last, give me just a second. So sorry. Oh, on your intake form, on your questions, um, what is the, what are you finding is some of the most important questions that you're wanting to know when they first come in? So is that, remind me again and forgive me, because I think you just said this, they come in, you contact them and then you send an intake or do they get the intake by link on the, on the um, website? It's a, it's a registration, a registration link to register for the group. So then it has, again, some more of the group details. We've got some graphics in there. Um, and then it has the intake form. Okay. Within. So it has the questions within it. Okay. So it's after you've talked to them and they're yes. ready for group. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So what kind of questions are on there at that point that you're curious about? Um, how long ago was your abortion? what led you to seek help at this time? That's a big one that gives a lot of insight. Um, what's the biggest problem you're facing now? That gives a lot of insight. Um, have you sought other counseling? Do you have other support? We do ask some questions to kind of make sure that she's not in a place of harming herself or, you know, in major depression or anything like that. Um, you know, we ask, have you in the past or are you currently experiencing emotional numbness, anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, anger, relation or intimacy concerns, nightmares or flashbacks? And also, have you done harmful or self-destructive things since your abortion? And we list some of those, you know, alcohol, drug use, overeating, cutting. Um, and have you had any thoughts of harming yourself? And currently. Um, so many will say I did in the past, but I'm not currently. Um, mm -hmm. Thankfully, we haven't had anyone with currently in that. Um, but I think those, you know, what's the biggest problem you're facing now and what brought you here? Those are big ones because they'll, they'll type in a lot in those two questions. Um, and then we get an emergency contact. We ask if we have permission to call them and permission to mail their book. Okay. So you're sending the book to them. You're not requiring them to buy the book. Is that the same within living color? Yes. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. You've given us so much good information and very uh, helpful. Yeah. I hope it's helpful to those who want to do keys or, um, want to follow your model in any way. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned leaders and, um, let's talk about that just as in our last uh, moments here on, on the show, because I'd like to just talk more about identifying them. Like, what are you looking for? Are you keeping an eye out when you're going through the groups? Or are you just kind of waiting for them to contact you after in hopes that they do, you know, and if you are, what are you looking for? And, and what is your training process? And then how are you retaining them? Because I, you're right. This is a huge commitment and it's heavy. It's heavy work. And so I hear you say you have a group going all the time and yet we need a break in between. And then I heard you say, you know, you, you're finding that the ladies want to stay with you after the six week and go through a living Keller. Well, is that the same leader? Because that leader needs a break. So how is that kind of looking for you? And I guess start with the identity. So let's just kind of start with the natural progression of it. <laughs> so identifying, I think that, Honestly, previously that was easier because we were doing on-site groups, okay. you know, obviously virtual groups and we have not at this point had any leaders that have gone through virtually that are not local um, that we have considered. So I do have a few women that are local that have gone through the group that are currently considering becoming a leader. Um, for women who are in another state and want to do something, because women very often, they go through the group and they do want to do something. They want to help. Mm -hmm. um, we've had to come up with some ways that they can help, 
but not necessarily lead. So that can be writing blogs for us. That can be writing um, for us, for things for us to share. That can be, um, currently those are the things that we've got them um, helping with. We've had, we have had a couple of women speak, like share an actual testimony and we've got to share that. Um, we have a couple of ladies that went through both of the groups and they would like to lead a group. So we have thought about starting like a monthly um, group where people can kind of jump in kind of like a first step uh, where they could just come in, but they would have two other women who have been through the group who could kind of share, you know, how meaningful it was to them. So these two women are kind of in the process of, I've kind of given it to them, like, okay, tell me, you know, I want you to kind of work together. Like, what would that look like? You know, what would be helpful for you when we started this whole thing and kind of letting them take it. So that is in progress in, in progress right now um, where they can lead, but I'll still be in the room or my other leader will still be in the room, but they can maybe share an opening devotional or and share their testimony, you know, something like that, um, where it would be very um, minimal leading because I don't currently, I know them pretty well since they've been through two groups, but I'm not sure that they're ready to lead a group fully, if that makes sense. So it's really like training. It's yes. a training thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have had some really good writers. So I'm like, again, I've like, been, I've, I'm like, if, if and when you're ready, I would love for you to write. Um, just even when they share their stories and just different things, like just beautiful, like you can see the gift in them. Right. So I think um, as far as identifying really for us, it would have to be a local person because we do need them on site. Um, that is something we require currently that our leaders come on site to lead the groups. For us, that's just where we're at right now. Um, maybe in the future we could expand that. Um, if it was somebody within like the abortion recovery network or something, you know, maybe um, that could be an option too. Um, but currently it's just um, women who have, who have gone on site. So we have two right now who would like to lead. So for training, uh, once they've, we ask them to come sit into the group, even if they've been through another curriculum, um, for them to come into each of the groups in the living in color and also the keys um, and to sit in as a participant. And then we also have them come back through to be a co-lead, um, kind of just to see how their you know, style is, how they lead. Um, and then we would have them sit in and co-lead with us really until we, we and they feel comfortable um, leading a small group. We also do background checks and they have to sign our, um, you know, commitment of care, which includes, you know, just making sure they're in alignment um, with everything with us as well. Um, um, I think. Can I jump for, in here for a second? Yeah, yeah. I just want to back up a little bit. What is your, what are you kind of looking for when you're identifying leaders? Cause you said you have a couple leaders right now, but you're not sure they're ready to lead. And I don't know if it's just them saying that, or if you're not sure based on what you're seeing and observing, but what are you observing in people as you're identifying them? Like, ah, oh, I think, yeah, she'd be a good leader. You know, what's that yeah. look like for you? Uh, for me, I think a good, I think a good listener, I think discernment is key. I think also um, the ability to control the the group, you know, meaning able to gently intervene when needed, maybe to stop a conversation that's just, you know, sometimes they share just way too much and it becomes yes. <laughs> traumatic for everybody in the room. Yes. So, I mean, <laughs> being able to interject appropriately. Also, I think just commitment because, you know, I think, I, I do believe a lot of women want to help, but once they realize the commitment, um, I think that that honestly probably eliminates a majority because it is a hard, it's a hard commitment. What's um, the commitment that you're requiring? I mean, just to be here for 
two hours, you know, six weeks or two hours for eight weeks. Um, And even if they did it once or twice a year, you know, that would be, um, that would be great. You know, if they committed to a two, two groups a year, I think that would be wonderful. Um, Also looking forward to make sure just in, you know, what she's saying that she's truly healed um, is major, I think, um, because the, obviously our, our clients are going to feel if she's not, and that can be very, very disheartening to her. If she's seen a leader that is still in pain, that really gives her a sense of hopelessness that she'll never get through it and that this will be a lifelong, you know, real hindrance for her. So really making sure that that person, um, is walking in, in healing. Yeah. And that gives her the freedom to let them heal on their own time. I think when we're not fully healed and we get into leadership, I think, we have a vested interest to make sure that she is, you know, there's that drive there because we're, we're still trying to prove that we're healed or or earn our healing, you know, by having heal other people. So um, I don't know if that made sense or not, but I think I've seen that in the pregnancy center world too. You get a volunteer in there that, that isn't healed and and there's just a, a sharpness that, that um, it's not about the client, it's really about me and, yeah. and my own healing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm that was me actually. Guilty. <laughs> I was one of those. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I don't want to make light of it because I understand that it is hard for the, you know, it, it affects mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, just as a point of embarrassment, I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit because I know that there's going to be people listening to this who um, have that blind spot. And so hopefully maybe there can be some some conversations opened up about that. So thank you. Those are um, good points um, for leaders. Can I just say one thing too, for retaining one thing I have learned? Well, I do think with retaining, making sure, you know, as obviously as a, a leader, well, just as women and men in general, we have certain gifts and, I know for my other leader who I I just, I have been able to see, you know, her giftings and she's very administrative and she's also, she has a teaching gift. So I, I constantly give her opportunity to really be able to use those gifts. So, you know, there is a lot of administrative things within, you know, obviously, especially with us with, you know, we're talking to a lot of women so I've allowed her to take the lead on a lot of administrative things because she's just, that is a gift of hers. Also teaching whenever we have the opportunity to get out and share with others and teach, like I am pushing her ahead to be able to speak and share because she's very good at it. So what are their gifts? Because they're going to blossom and not get burnt out if they can really, um, be able to tap into those other gifts. It's just going to yes. fulfill them and refresh. And, and so just being aware of whatever those are. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Cause that makes us excited to come back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We want to do that again, whatever that yes. was, even if we aren't aware of it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it is true that um, usually our gifts are identified by the others around us telling us, Oh, you, that's a good teaching. You know, you're a teacher. Did you know that, you know, you've great speaking gift or, you know, it's whatever that is you serve so well, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. And so it's good that you can identify that and help just affirming them. Yeah, that yes. is great. Yes. Cause that aids in healing too. I mean, really, and it aids in our spiritual growth, which is important. Right. So I, I did interrupt you. You were talking about how you, um, uh, I, I interrupted you to talk about, <laughs> I'm so sorry, to talk about how you identify leaders, but you were in the middle of talking about how, what they, what you're doing to sort of train them or bring them on board. And we got to background checks and that's when I stopped you. So is there anything else that you do with them? Continuing? It's really a lot of hands-on. Um, I do invite them to any other training. Um, as far as like, you know, there's a lot of with, uh, after support after abortion does a lot of good trainings. Um, 
our abortion recovery network does a lot of good training. So I also um, have them jump into those because I think that really does give a good insight to leadership and what that looks like and what even the struggles and the, you know, all sides of it, um, but also the victories and all of those things. So I think that gives good insight too. Um, so I do try to invite them into kind of some of those areas uh, so that they can, you know, just kind of experience um, from a leader perspective. So I that's think that's good. helpful. Yeah, that is good. Do you um, encourage them to continue with their healing, to go to a retreat, maybe a year or two down the road, you know, because once we've been through healing, we find later that there's triggers, you know, there's things that come up that like, okay, <laughs> I still got some work to do. And um, are you paying attention to that? Or are they paying attention? How are you managing that? Yes, we definitely are. Because whenever we have, well, when we have someone come in for volunteer, they do have to go through our entire training. So I didn't mention that as well. So we have like a it's a three weekend, about four hours, um, that kind of goes through basically how to, how to serve a client from on the pregnancy side, but also does go in depth of abortion recovery and all of those things. So she's sitting in that and we have found people get triggered. Um, and so maybe we would start her in a different spot to begin and until she can get through and heal, um, into a place where she is ready to lead. Um, but we did, we have found that, I mean, that does happen for sure. Um, especially when you get into a client to client interaction. Um, so really it's just, honestly, a lot of it is hands-on. I mean, there's only okay. so much and sit and mm -hmm. share, you know, with a, a guide or whatever, but you really yes. just, but yes, we're absolutely watching. And most times they, they identify it just yeah. as much as I would, or, or another leader would. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I agree. It is hands-on. I mean, it, getting them in the groups and just leading is, um, really where you learn, you know? So, um, is there anything else to retaining leaders, um, that you are actively intentional about I think lots of prayer <laughs> is probably <laughs> key. Um, and really, yep. really lots of prayer, lots of encouragement. You know, I do, I really do try to just, and whenever God shows me something very specific, you know, to encourage her, I make sure and share that with her because I just, you know, I, I want her to know that she's covered in prayer from, from her team and her leadership and that we care about her. So that, you know, that this is much more than, you know, a, a role of, of her coming and leading a group. This is, there's so much that happens in the spiritual, we all know. Um, so just knowing she's covered and cared for and um, just spending time. And we, we connect at least once a week um, on site and just spend some time talking, making sure, you know, she's good. She has any needs even in her family, whatever prayer, you know, um, just making sure that that's, that's definitely a priority. And I guess, especially since she's not, doesn't have a co-leader in there, that would be very important to have that ongoing contact with yeah. you. Yeah. I can see that yeah. for sure. Well, um, we are at time. I mean, we don't want to go too much further, but there's still some things on our list that we didn't touch. So, um, Maybe we can have you back another time and talk about some of these things, maybe dig into this um, leadership aspect again and uh, just look a little bit deeper into some of those things and see what you're doing because you guys have been doing this for a long time. So I think we have a lot to learn from you guys. And um, how many leaders, how many group leaders do you have? I currently have one that's on staff with me now. We hired her. So she's about 30 hours a week, but then I also have two that are in training. So one that sat in with the keys cause she had not done um, a non-faith and she was very hesitant. Um, so I just said, just come and sit, um, you know, participate. And then those women actually wanted to go on to the eight weeks. So then she came um, into the eight week 
uh, with the Living in Color. So she actually got the same group with both of those, which was really, and I mean, they adored her and loved her. And it was a blessing actually to have, because uh, that was a larger group. We actually had five in that group. Um, so it was good that she had a co-lead for that one. So That's yeah, good. so I have, and then another one who is just has just started uh, Living in Color. So we're just on week, we just finished week one. So we'll be on week two. Actually, we just finished week two last night. Um, so we'll be on week three. So that's four total leaders. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I want to, I want to make that point um, to anybody who's listening. Uh, this is a hard ministry to build. And yes. you guys have been there for, your center has been there for year, decades. You have been there for a couple decades now, I think, correct? Or getting close About to 12 years. Oh, 12. Okay. I thought it was longer than that. Still 12 years is a long time. And you're building up four leaders right now. And it's not like you have 15 leaders. So this is a hard ministry. Um, as Jill Marquis said, when she was on abortion is the long game, abortion recovery is the long game, even when it comes to building up leaders. And so we shouldn't be discouraged when it's still just one or two of us after years and years and years, you know, we're just to do what God has called us to do and, and not count the numbers, not be looking at what you're not doing, mm -hmm. but be thankful for what you are doing and do it well, do it yeah. really well. Um, Good word. Yes. Well, thank you. And Melissa. it changes too, right? It changes. Well, it does. Yes. You know, it's, I was looking even at our stats, like from last year, we had this, what was it? So last year we had 12 groups, 31 women and nine men completed, which was a lot. But, but this year, I felt like we had much less contact from people, but we've, we've already had 11 groups. So I'm wow. like, they've been smaller, but some of them, wow. but so you just don't know, you know, but it, you, sometimes you feel like you feel like it's dropping off or you feel like you're doing less or, and then, and then you, at the end of it, you look at it all and you're like, wow, no, it just changed. It just shifted a little bit. And yeah. So that's good. That's good. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And I am, I just enjoy getting to know you a little bit more each time we talk and, um, and just about what you're doing. I'm really encouraged by your heart and your care for your ladies that are coming through and your leaders. And, um, yeah, thank you. We you're appreciate welcome. having you and Linda, having you're welcome. And Linda, as always, so glad to be leading with you. Yes, this has been great. Appreciate all of it. And, and again, it's just to underline that God does different things in every one of us. Yes. And, and what, um, Mindy was saying is just being faithful to where God's called each of us. And we appreciate, um, your faithfulness, Melissa. Thank you so much.